Hello and welcome to Billiken Babble. My name is Carter Chapley, your host, and this is the show where I take you through who the Billikens are taking on this week and getting a sense of what that competition might look like with the best and brightest from around the college basketball landscape and those who know the teams best. Or this Saturday, I guess, the Billikens take on the Evansville Purple Aces for their second game of the season. The Billikens are coming off of their first game, opening night, home opener, whatever you want to call it. They're 1-0. They beat Murray State and had one of their best opening night performances they've had in what I described as the Travis Ford era, which I think is accurate. The combination of performance and competition probably equals out to be the best performance, right? Like we've seen them put up 100 on Arkansas Pine Bluff or or put up you know, upper 90s and, and win by 60 against so-and-so. But this was in combination with the best team they've played and the best overall performance they've had, what I would describe as the best victory opening night in the Travis Ford era. We move on. Next, Evansville awaits on Saturday night, and Evansville is a team that's kind of similar to what's going on in Murray State. It's, a, it's not a too different team. The Evansville Purple Aces, coached by Dave Ragland, first-year coach after taking over the program after some years of disappointing performances. In their opening night match, they beat Miami, Ohio kind of unexpectedly. So maybe there's some positive momentum coming out of Evansville. But regardless, that's not what we're here to talk about. What I do is I bring in the best and brightest. So I'm bringing on Anthony Christensen. He's a St. Louis native. He went to Mizzou, as a lot of local sports journalists or aspiring sports journalists do. Went to Mizzou and he graduated. Now he is employed by the Courier and Press in Evansville, Indiana, and he is the University of Evansville beat reporter. He covers all the sports there, the Evansville area, but the Purple Aces and the basketball program are the biggest ones that he handles. So he's going to come on and talk to us about what to expect, who the Purple Aces are this year, and maybe how this game might go down. So let's go off to that interview with him right now. I now welcome to Billiken Babble, new friend of the show, as always. Whenever we have someone on Billiken Babble, they are, of course, a friend. Anthony Christensen of the Courier and Press in Evansville to talk a little Evansville Purple Aces hoops. Anthony, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am excellent. I'm looking forward to Saturday. It'll be a fun basketball game, if nothing else. And I, I hope you're able to make it home for the trip. You are a St. Louis native and, as they say, Mizzou made. Am I correct? That is correct. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a St. Charles kid, born and bred. Grew up in the uh, in the area. Always went to Cardinals games and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I am making the trip back. Going to be sleeping on my parents' couch. So uh, that'll be nice. It'll it'll be fun. Uh, my first time at Chaffetz Arena, shockingly enough, when I think about it. But uh, Wow. Yeah. yeah. Now, growing up in the area, I've just somehow I've never... I've never been, but uh, no, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to go home and hopefully cover a good basketball game. This is your first year on the beat in Evansville. First, it's a time of change, much like the last game we saw with Murray State coming in to, to play St. Louis. It's a time of change for Evansville. They've had a really rough go of it the last couple of years. Can you tell us what kind of changes have happened headed into this year and what we can expect to see maybe now on the court? Yeah, so I mean, the most notable one with the with the men's basketball team is obviously the coaching change. David Ragland comes in after a stint as an assistant at Butler, taking over for Todd Licklider. And the most notable thing about that is the timing of the change. It happened, I believe, in May. So it happened really late whenever, you know, most of the coaching carousel is kind of slowed down. There was only one other open job at the time, and that was South Carolina State. Um, so, I mean, when you look at that and you look at the Evansville roster from last season and obviously coming off six and 24 worst, worst division one program record ever. And you see, uh, 
you know, a coaching change that late, you know, you're not expecting much and really you probably shouldn't, you know, expect much in terms of if you want to say a successful season, you probably don't want to put too much into into uh, the wins and losses, but moreover, probably the culture and if the team is is competitive, because a lot of times last season, Evansville simply just wasn't competitive. Um, but another big change that happened um, with Evansville was, I believe it was two weeks after the season ended. I'm a little fuzzy on that because that was before I started, but uh, the athletic director resigned and they had to you know, get a new athletic director in. So uh, that's when uh, Kenneth Siegfried got the job. I don't know. I don't remember the exact time frame of it, but uh, they brought in Kenneth Siegfried and pretty shortly after there, Licklider was uh, was replaced. And as for, you know, the style he wants, it's pretty much the uh, a lot of the, uh, the opposite of Evansville from last season. Last season, Evansville was the worst offensive rebounding team in the country. Um, this season, they got, I believe it was nine in their first game at Miami, Ohio. So a respectable number. Last season, they averaged 4.7, um, which is not a very good number. <laughs> um, partially by design, because Licklider wanted his players to drop back and get back on defense more than he wanted them to crash the class. But when you look at it, it's a, it's a, it's a much different uh, approach. Uh, Evansville is a lot faster offensively than they were last season. So there's there's a lot of different changes like that, um, a lot grittier defensively. So a lot of a lot of changes um, that were made when Raglan was brought in. I hope that answers the question. Absolutely, they are one and zero with what one might call an upset win over Miami, Ohio, in David Raglan's first game as head coach. Can you tell, kind of tell us how that first game went? I went on record saying I thought they were going to drop that first game. Uh, <laughs> and I said I thought Miami was going to win 73-67. But uh, obviously Evansville won 78-74. When you look at that game, a lot of it comes down to just how fast Evansville started. Um, they jumped out, I think it was to a 14-point lead um, early in the game. And uh, a lot of that was behind Yasin Toomey. He's a JUCO transfer. I believe he was either one of the first or the first commitment Raglan got when he first came in. And when you look at his numbers in JUCO, they weren't, they weren't great, but you, when you look at the JUCO basketball landscape, he was at Indian Hills, which is one of the best, if not the best JUCO team in the country most seasons. So, I mean, he comes in with experience. He played at, uh, I believe Arkansas state, but he's a guy who, uh, who has experience and uh, he scored all of Evansville's first eight points. And, you know, he really paced them. And then, um, you know, Travis Steele, who was the coach at Miami, he uh, was forced to take an early timeout. And after that, the game balanced a lot. Makai Larry, Evansville native, fun fact, uh, provided a lot of assists for uh, Anderson Marambo, who was Miami's big guy down low. And they really struggled uh, guarding him. He had a game high, 27 points. Um, so that's a big area of concern if you're Evansville going into this game, obviously with Francis Okuro and St. Louis's front court. But um, the guy who... Uh, was probably most impressive for Evansville was Kenny Strawbridge. He's transferred from Alabama State. Another guy who who Raglan brought in. He scored a team high twenty three points and uh, was really good at finding the open finding open shots. And he's able to you know kind of create his own shot. So he's he's probably the offensive guy to watch going into this game. Um, just because I think he I mean obviously he led Evansville at Miami Ohio and I think he led in both of the exhibition games as well. And then a guy who was. Uh, 
who goes a little bit under the radar because he was just elevated from a walk-on status to scholarship is Gage Bobe. He's he's not going to put up groundbreaking numbers offensively. I think he had seven points against Miami, but where he thrives is on the defensive end. He is always, he's a little bit of a smaller guy. I think he's six foot, but he's always kind of, he's forcing bad shots. He's getting tips and turnovers. So he's, he's the kind of guy who's on paper. You're not going to, you know, he's not going to be the standout guy, but when you watch him defensively, you know, he's a, he's an important piece. I think one of the most impressive things from the Miami game was uh, he got a steal and then, you know, got the team down in transition. Then he got he got himself an open look and then knocked down the three. So he not only ended Miami's possession, but also put Evansville up, I think, 10 at the point at that point. So it seems like they're getting a pretty balanced contribution from new guys, mm-hmm. guys, maybe who, a guy who's maybe returning. Is there a focal point of this team that you point to as being if this guy is succeeding, they're going to succeed? I wouldn't say that one guy is the most important. That's That's been one of the, the big things Ragland has emphasized since he came in, is that scoring by committee, assists by committee, rebounds by committee. Because Evansville lost a lot of production in the transfer portal. When you got a guy like Blake Sisley, Shamar Givens, guys like that transferring out, Evansville lost five of its top six scorers from last season. So this season, it's been a lot of, like David Ragland has been saying, all all offseason and all uh, the beginning stages of this season is that everything has to be by committee. And so you're going to see guys, you know, Strawbridge is obviously, you know, he's the leading scorer so far, but, you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to put up a lot of points. But in UNLV transfer, Marvin Coleman, who's going to be putting up some points. Yasin Toomey, like I mentioned, he's going to be a, an important part of that team. The returning standpoint, Blaze Beauchamp's going to be a guy who's probably going to be coming off the bench as well as Antoine Smith Jr., who are both guys who can who can knock down open looks. Antoine Smith is probably more of a four and he's going to be able to get inside, but where he thrives is on the perimeter and his three point shooting. And he's, he's shown that in the two exhibition games, didn't get that much of a look against Miami. Um, but he's he's a he's definitely a, a three point threat. In short, to answer the question, it's definitely more of a as he's as Ragland has said by committee uh, as opposed to this guy is the focal point. When you play by committee, it's important to play as a team with so many new guys on the team. You said they lost five of their top six scorers. They've gotten a ton of transfers. And transfers from strong schools as well, which is of note. How do you see this team trying to approach the St. Louis game? What do you think would put them in the best situation to succeed, knowing what you know about St. Louis, perhaps? That's a tough question, just because on paper, this St. Louis team is much better than this Evansville team. A lot of it is going to come down to the defensive end. Um, which has been the focal point for David Ragland since he's come in. I mean, when you look at the Missouri Valley and how it's, you know, it's a, it's a bruising league, you need to have a lot of strong defense. So it's really going to come down to if Evansville can be competitive in this game, they're going to have to play really strong defense. I think a big focal point is going to be trying to find some way to disrupt Yuri Collins. Obviously, 14 assists, no turnovers against Murray State. It's nothing to be uh, taken lightly. And I uh, mean, He's widely regarded as one of the best, if not the best point guard in the country. So, I mean, if you can find a way to slow him down or disrupt his disrupt his rhythm or do stuff you know, along those lines, that's going to be absolutely crucial for Evansville to remain competitive in, in, in a game like this. It was a great start to the season, getting a win that you acknowledge is probably unexpected from this team when you look down the rest of the year when you look forward through the rest of the season you mentioned off the top that 
winning games might be a bad way of like recognizing what success looks like for this program. How would you describe a successful season for them? Yeah, and something that I've talked to David Ragland about uh, a decent amount is, you know, what is success? And a lot of it has been setting the, the groundwork for the culture he wants to build at Evansville. And he's brought in guys who are experienced and for the most part are, are from winning culture from winning cultures. UNLV is obviously UNLV most of the time. UNLV is a, pro- a quality program. So you bring in a guy like Marvin Coleman who started as a walk-on there and then earned a scholarship under TJ Otzelberger and a starting spot under TJ Otzelberger. That's, a kind of, that's the kind of guy you want to bring in to kind of set a culture. And he's one of the team captains as well. The big thing that should define success this season is setting the culture and if Evansville, you know, is competitive, is competing in games. I mean, the big easy one to point out from last season is when Loyola Chicago beat Evansville. I think it was 83 to 31. You know, you can't have games like that, just simply that much. (laughs) Um, If you're competing and, you know, taking teams down to the wire, especially those good teams like the St. Louis's and the Drake's of the world, I think that is definitely, you know, the benchmark for, for success. And then if you're, keeping those games close, you're going to win some of them, you would think. And I think they showed a lot of, I guess, grit and finishing ability in that Miami game, because there was a lot of times where that game, you know, could have gone the other way. They only trailed once and it was 3-2. So, but Miami was constantly, you know, to use the cliche, knocking on the door to try to take that game. And then Late in the second half, you know, there was a turnover. Miami went on a really fast 5-0 run, timeout. And then uh, I thought from there I was going to be writing a gamer about a lose, a, a loss, to be fully transparent. But um, stay competitive. You're going to win some of those close games. And I think if you do that, especially in the Missouri Valley, you can probably try to climb out of the basement that Evansville's been in for a while, um, which I think is – a an attainable goal. Um, I, I picked Evansville to finish 11th, not 12th in the in the Valley in my preseason vote. But uh, setting the culture and remaining competitive, I think, are the uh, the big the big things that should be the uh, the measure of success for this team. Thank you so much, Anthony, for your time, your expertise on Evansville. Can you tell us how we can find what you do and support the work that you do for the Courier and Press? Yeah, uh, CourierPress.com. Uh, you'll find... Uh, You'll find everything I do there. Um, then I'm on Twitter at AMF Christensen, uh, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-S-E-N, because uh, a lot of people aren't sure of how to spell the last name. But uh, yeah, so that's where you're That's where you're going to find me for the most part is on uh, CourierPress.com and Twitter at AMF Christensen. Thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to see you on Saturday. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you again to new friend of the show, Anthony Christensen. You can find him on Twitter. You can find him in his work in the Courier and Press. That's AMF Christensen on Twitter. We're looking forward to catching up at the game. We met over Zoom. I'm thinking we might be able to get him onto the Twitter spaces after the game to talk a little Evansville hoops to kind of get the context for the game from their perspective. This seems like a game. Looking forward to kind of give my takes on it. That the Billikens should win handily. They have the talent advantage. They have the continuity advantage. They have pretty much every advantage there is. I'm interested to see 
how Evansville tries to approach the Billikens. I think they will be a little bit different than how Murray State did. I think defensively, they're probably going to be a little bit more aggressive. I think on offense, they're probably going to be a little less ISO-oriented and probably a little more team-oriented. That's kind of how they want to play. And you now have a player who can actually size up height-wise and physically to the Billiken Bigs to kind of give a more accurate, you know, paint presence or a more, maybe not accurate is the right word, but more representative paint presence as to what they'll see later in the year. So you're going to see a different dynamic, whereas the Billikens were able to run roughshod all over the boards, all all in the paint. They could pretty much do anything they wanted all night against Murray State, and now you will probably have to think more consciously, perhaps, about that as a game plan. I know something that the Billikens are going to be really interested in or that I'm interested based on, on the tape, based on what I've seen at practice for SLU, is maybe this might be another game where it comes down to Yuri Collins' ability to not only distribute, but when to give up the ball early, even if it means getting a hockey assist, per se. I know um, in that game against Miami of Ohio, the Purple Aces hedged on pretty much every high ball screen they had all game, which leaves a lot of pressure onto the rolling big man. So Francis Okoro, Jake Forrester in this case, to dish the ball and play passer in this situation. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. So expect a lot of that kind of like high ball screen, dish it off to find the guy in the corner or drive to the hoop uh, situations because they're going to hedge on a lot of high ball screens. So that's kind of the thing I'm putting as my key to the game as to how the Billikens offensively sort that. Defensively, I think it's going to be a lot more of just tidying up what they did poorly against Murray State. Rotating, contesting, being conscious of guys back cutting and keeping in front of your guy. So that's kind of what I'm looking for the most in that sense but it's a big time game you got to go 2-0 then you head into Memphis which we're going to talk about Memphis later we're going to have another episode about Memphis but there's some wild quotes out there from Memphis players lots of locker room materials that you can talk about if you really want to from guys like Kendrick Davis and you know Penny and it's a revenge game right we all went down to Memphis or I went down to Memphis last year and watched this this Memphis Tiger team blow the doors off the Billikens and it's looking like it's going to be one of those Maybe it's an opportunity to get a little bit of revenge. So thank you, everyone, for listening. You can get this on iTunes or Spotify. If there's another podcatcher out there that you want this on, please let me know. I will get it out there to you as best as I can. Follow me on Twitter at Chapley Media. I'll be continually doing Billiken coverage all season. And after the games, we do our post-game Twitter spaces, and that will always be there for you. It's a recorded. You can always go back and listen to it later. So thank you for watching. Like, comment, subscribe, rate the show. Give me your feedback. I always want to hear it. You're the reason why this show happens. Without you, there is no show. So thank you so much. And we will see you at Chavitz Arena Saturday night.